powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to friends, foes, and neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings because what you're about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show. Prepare yourself for pop culture, commentary, and interviews featuring no drama and no controversy guaranteed. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Productions Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Well, hello, Duvall Nation. Hello. Hi, everybody. Thanks for coming. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Please, everyone. Please. Please sit. Thank you. Hello, Duvall Nation, and welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. We are back with another fantastic journey into the lives of extraordinary people. Before we get into the episode, I want to say a huge thank you to my last guest, the lovely Kate Watson. What a delight to have her on the show. And like I said at the end of the episode, I have no doubt in my mind that she is going to be the next big thing in country music. If you haven't had a chance to check out the interview, I encourage you to do so after the conclusion of this episode. All right, folks, welcome to episode 109. We have a very good episode in store for you today. We have on the show motivational speaker, inspirational coach, and five-time TED Talk veteran Bobby Umar. He'll be talking about his successful career as a professional speaker, giving Duval Nation some great advice on the importance of content creation, and so much more. Bobby is an incredibly talented man, so let's just get him on out here. Duval Nation, please rise to your feet, and welcome to the show direct from Toronto, Canada, the great Bobby Umar. Bobby, hello. Welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. How was the weather out by you today? It's cold. It's Canada. <laughs> so I start my show off the same as every other one. And that is, how has it been for you to navigate the COVID-19 pandemic up to this point? Well, I mean, I think it's been a, uh, it's been hard. I mean, uh, resilience is certainly something that we're all dealing with. But I'd say the, the challenge for me at the time was there's a lot of uncertainty around a lot of things. Uh, in particular, for me as a speaker, the speaker industry collapsed, so I had to figure out how I'm going to make some money. So the first that first year, everything collapsed. I had to figure out new ways to make money. So uncertainty was one thing. There was uh, overwhelm. You know, there's a lot of overwhelm of um, you know things to do, what to do as a parent, what to do as a business, what to do as a friend, and overwhelm of information, misinformation. It was just really you know very overwhelming for a lot of people, and I think. And then, of course, the third piece is, you know, that affect our mental well-being. So thinking about our mental wellness, doing a lot of check-ins, I would say that uh, it was a very transformative part of our lives, especially with the kids, especially with us as parents and, and being an entrepreneur at home. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was tough. However, I'm feeling very excited to be, you know, not, not completely out of it, but, you know, you know, better out of it, you know, doing live events now, in-person events. I've been in, in, I've been enjoying those immensely. Good. All right. So every journey has a beginning. Where were you born and what was it like to grow up there? So I was born on the East Coast of uh, Canada in New Brunswick, St. John, New Brunswick. Uh, what was I like growing up there? You know, it was a small town, um, a lot of very friendly people. Everyone kind of knew each other in the neighborhood. The parents and the kids in the neighborhood, all, you know, we played hockey, we played tag, we played in the playground, we went in the woods. So it was a very uh, a lovely upbringing and uh, a far cry from what I have with my kids living downtown Toronto, but um, I did enjoy it. I would say that it was also interesting because 
culturally there was not very many brown people so like you know all the brown people would hang out together so muslims hindus sikhs you know we all kind of hang out we have a community where we'd see each other and stuff and that was different than the way it is you know here in a large metropolis so and what the funny thing was, I didn't really notice much of uh, any sort of like issues around race until I actually went to bigger cities. <laughs> there, you know, everyone was pretty easygoing and we weren't really that many of us because we weren't a threat. And so, you know, we just got along with everybody. Uh, but, you know, beautiful area, lots of hills and trees and lakes. And uh, yeah, I'm very grateful for how I grew up. I, my father was came home every day for lunch, came over day for dinner. You know, I think it was a really, a really different time. Mm. I wish I could put together some sort of statistic of how many of my guests are actually from or were raised in Canada as opposed to the United States or the rest of the world because there are a, a quite significant number. So that's awesome. All right. So you have studied at McMaster and McGill Universities. For my listeners who may not know, what were your fields of study? So when I went to McGill, I did engineering, mechanical engineering, and uh, with a minor in actually French and music, which is kind of a unique thing. And then uh, after that, you know, worked in engineering, but I was trying to figure out what, what else I want to do. So I did an MBA in strategic marketing. The whole idea was to try to switch careers, do more marketing type work. And uh, yeah, that's what I did. Nice. Do you have any favorite memories from your time at Second City? Cool. Favorite memories. Gosh, uh, I think I think probably one of my favorite memories was uh, we had our big graduation show. And uh, this was a series of sketches plus one mean like a 25 minute sketch piece. And I had taken on the responsibility of writing all the songs. We were doing this musical about serial uh, icons like Captain Crunch and the Sugar Bear and a bunch of other people. And so I worked with the musical director and he was very impressed with me coming up with all these lyrics on what to say, what to sing for the songs. And he would just compose it. I would write the lyrics, he would just compose it. I'm like, wow, this is great. I just write the stuff, you compose it and we have a blast. And I remember the, the musical, the, the serial icon logo musical. That was awesome. I, I really love that experience. That's awesome. All right. So what point in your life did you look in the mirror and decide you wanted to be a professional speaker? Well, I think that, you know, I had a career in engineering. Then I did a career in, in brand marketing. I also dabbled in teaching for many, many years with uh, leadership development and, and programs and for, for young people. And then, uh, you know, after I left, lost, well, left and lost my, my last job, which was, which was brand marketing, I was like, what do I, what do I want to do with myself? And I talked to my, my, my best friends and they said, you know, have you ever thought about motivational speaking? I'm like, mm, yeah, no, I, I guess, sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, and then I did all this whole deep dive into, you know, I surveyed people, I had interviews, I talked to people, I, and then I kind of did a deep dive into my personal brand and found out certain aspects of me that made sense, which is, you know, Bobby loves people. He loves to persuade influence, likes to perform, present. He likes to nurture like his mom. He likes diversity. And so uh, when, when I did that deep dive and I had my close friend saying, you should do this, I was like, okay, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. Let me is validated by the research and by the surveys, validated by my best friends who were my counsel. I was like, you know what? Let me let me start this one. And uh, uh, I, I never looked back. I mean, that was 17 years ago, and uh, I, I've been doing it ever since. How has it evolved since you started, uh, you know, doing professional speaking to now? Well, I mean, the topics evolved. I mean, when I first started out, I was talking about networking. Leadership was always the thing I talked about, but then I was talking about networking. And then networking turned into, I started talking about personal branding. And then pretty soon 
uh, it became digital networking. So the networking talks would switch to, okay, now how do I use LinkedIn? How do I use Twitter? Mm -hmm. And so I started talking about digital marketing and digital networking. So there was a, a shift there. Um, and then, you know, during the pandemic, uh, you know, the shifts change again. Like, you know, people now want to connect on a deeper level. They want to have a stronger digital presence. They also want to be better building community. So, and they want to be better storytellers. So like, you know, you have to be listening to the audience, listening to what people are doing and it shifts all along. And I think the other thing that, that, that changed for me was, <clears throat> you know, I was going from, you know, speech to speech, to conference to event. And then I think at a certain point when I got um, a lot of social media influence per se, it changed things for me. And I, and I saw that social media was a really great tool. Let me, I remember this because the first time I got a, a speaking gig right off of social media was on Twitter. I had about 5,000 followers at the time. And someone said, hey, we love what you talk about, Bobby. Can you come in and do a talk about this show? I'm like, sure I can. This is great. People hire me right off of social media. Count me in, man. And so I was diving into, uh, into social media. And that for me has been a, a big shift and also a big part of, uh, I guess, the, the success that I'm really grateful for. That's awesome. Now, you join a very prestigious list of guests of this show who have done a TED Talk. And if I'm not mistaken, you've not just done one, you've done many. So my question to you is this, do you remember your first one and the emotions you went through when you were asked to do it? Yeah, so the first one, I remember being asked to do it and my first thing was, what's a TED Talk? So I didn't know what it was, right? So then I, <laughs> I looked it up and I was like, holy cow, look at all these people doing this. Oh my God, this is great. And so then when I was uh, ready to prepare it, prepare it um, yeah, it was the most nerve-wracking, scariest thing I've ever done because they're like, okay, so tell the biggest idea of your life, dive deep in your personal story, uh, do it with minimal slides, and I, I love PowerPoint, so do it with minimal slides, okay, and uh, in under 18 minutes. That, that's stressful. Holy cow. And I, what I can tell you is that as somebody who has done improv for many, many years and as someone who's done presentation for many, many years, um, I typically don't rehearse, and this is a secret, a lot of people don't know this, I typically don't rehearse my speeches. I Once I have set up, I know exactly what I'm going to say. I can boom, boom, chicka boom, and I'll, I'm good. But that TEDx taught the first one, I knew it was going to be filmed, right? So I was like, this is a big opportunity. Uh, I was, I rehearsed that thing 30 times. And every single time I did it, I made a mistake or something. Like, oh, no. And, and then, you know, like I was stressed out. And uh, so the emotion of it was pretty, and then the other thing I learned was I, I went later in the day. I wish I'd gone sooner because I was like, I was on at 5 p.m. I was like, man, I wish I'd gone sooner because I'm like just so stressed out. And when I finally did it, you know, relief. Uh, I also on stage felt like I completely screwed up because I remember I remember being on stage and there's a gigantic clock in front of you, right? And it's like, and it's pounding the, the time at you as you're looking at it. And I had 14 minutes to do my speech. And I remember looking at the clock and I was like, I have six minutes left and I'm not even halfway through. And I was like, oh my God, I'm freaking out. And, and I thought I was freaking out and, and people would see it. When you watch the video, you don't see anything because it's all in my head. But I was freaking out. I started to speed up a little bit to get it, get her done. But after it was done, I was relieved. People liked it and it became an incredible branding tool for me. So a lot of emotions with that one, but I, I'm glad it happened. Hmm. So how can an ordinary person like me get a TED Talk to establish themselves as an authority expert, a storyteller, or a public speaker? Well, I think the, the first thing to do is get clarity on your personal brand or authority brand. What is it you're good at? What do people love about you? What do people you know, love, you know, see in you? What kind of impact you have? So I, mean, I, th I think that's the first thing. The second thing is extracting that really, really good idea. I mean, a lot of people 
when I when I coach people on TEDx talks, they always have this thing. Uh, I'm going to talk about sales. I'm going to talk about the power of love. I'm going to talk about the power of empathy. I'm like, okay, but these are just general topics that everybody has done. Uh, I want to tell my life story. Okay, like you know, unless you're unless you're like you know um, somebody who is you know land on the moon. I mean, the, your life story. You want to extract that one part of your story with that one idea. And I think that's the way to do it. Uh, you have to also come up with an idea that the TED Talk people will like, the organizers. Like, there's certain things they care about. Does it line with the theme? Does it science-based? You know, if it's very holistic, you may have a, a worse chance. You want to get their attention, right? So, you know, when I did my fifth TED Talk, you know, my pitch was, uh, can you change a person's life in 20 seconds? And they're like, oh, whoa, what is that? You know, like they get, it, it got their attention. And I talked about 20-second hugs which is a very rare topic, which wasn't done. And so that was a way for me to get that topic right away. So I think for me, being clear on your, your brand and, what, and, your, and your expertise and what you are really awesome at, and then extracting that idea and story that's going to be a compelling, uh, unique slant of uh, an idea that has been discussed before. Every person has a story, purpose, and legacy. How do you encourage people to live up to their true potential? Well, I think that if you look if you look back at um, you know the five top five regrets of the dying, right? And you look back on your life. You're you're eight years old. You're looking back on what you did. The two themes come out. One is, I wish I had spent more time with the connections that matter to me. And the other theme is, I wish I explored the grand amazingness of this earth. And so, do you really want to spend your fifty years making uh, uh, ten thousand, a million, or a billion dollars for a company X or Y? Probably not. And so I want people to know that, you know, your purpose and your story and your legacy is up to you. And you don't want to go back. You don't want to, you know, regret. So reverse engineer, go back 50 years and I'll say, well, are you willing to put your purpose together and live a life that's fulfilling and full of joy and happiness and impact that you care about as meaningful to you? If you are, then put in the work. And then the other thing I'll say is a lot of people are, you know, very, very scared of that because they need help. You know, I, I didn't do it by myself. I had help. So I want to help people do the same thing. If you have the courage to fight for the life that you want, then I, ha I will be there to help you um, go that path. And it's just something that's really powerful that a lot of people, you know, feel and don't realize. But at the end of the day, we all want to live a life of fulfillment and impact that we, we'd be happy to t share that story. Just so make sure you have that vision and put that together and, and ask for help. Okay, Duval Nation, we're going to go ahead and take a small break, but we'll be right back with the conclusion of this interview with Bobby Umar. May I suggest you take this time to refresh that drink and take some super long, deep breaths, you know, Cluzo style. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Give a couple friends of the show your attention, and we will be right back. What if I told you about a group of elite college athletes who compete in 35 different sports at one of the toughest institutions in the nation? For them, it's not about name, image, and licensing or any other kind of major endorsement deal. Because at the end of the day, their ultimate goal is to serve their country. This is Carl Darden. I'm the host of Navy Sports Central, and I'm talking about the athletes who attend the United States Naval Academy. These young men and women represent the best our country has to offer. They compete at a high level on both the national and world stage, and their stories have mostly gone untold. I'm here to change all of that. So please, join me, Carl Darden, on Navy Sports Central, wherever you get your podcasts to learn more about these incredible athletes and our nation's future leaders. Duval Nation, Derek and Mindy Duval here to talk about Jerky Pro, the standard in premium beef jerky products. 
The Derek Duvall Show and Derek and Mindy's Fun With Movies is proud to be sponsored by the team at Jerky Pro. As a veteran, I am always the first to support veteran-owned businesses. Setting up shop in 1987 and founded by military and paramilitary veterans, they have set the bar for how beef jerky is processed, flavored, packaged, and sold. With strict quality control standards, Jerky Pro offers many flavors that are sure to please any beef jerky connoisseur. From the standard original flavor to honey glazed, peppered, teriyaki, sweet barbecue, or if you're brave enough, the fierce red hot, there are many flavors guaranteed to entice your palate. Offered in various sized packaging, use promo code DUBALL37, all in capital letters, at checkout to receive a 5% discount. Remember, folks, if your beef jerky is not making your mouth water, then it's not Jerky Pro Beef Jerky. Jerky Pro, the standard in premium beef jerky products. Hey, this is Patrick Baker, and you are listening to The Derek Duvall Show. Check out my new single, Sorrow, available on all major streaming platforms. And you can check my site out at patrickbakermusic.com. Teachers, do you ever have these feelings or have been told these things? Do you want Kleenex for your classroom? Maybe you should think about buying your own with your own money. You get the summer off, you can have a second job. Do you really need a pay raise? Oh, do you need to use the restroom? Maybe you can do that in the three minutes while students are changing classes. Boy, sure hope your room doesn't descend into Lord of the Flies in that time. Oh, things are going pretty good for one. Surprise! Budget cuts! Well, you're in luck because we've got a book just for you. Hi, everyone. It's Katie Kinder, educator, speaker, and author of Untold Teaching Truths. I invite you to purchase my book and join this journey as we talk about the wild world of public education. Part memoir, part strategy. It is available on BookBaby, Amazon, or wherever books are sold. Teach on Warriors. We've got this. This is Country Boy for One My Black History. And if you listen to my podcast, this is some of the things that you will enjoy. The term Jim Crow derives from early 19th century minstrel shows. It was a popular form of entertainment, which is the predecessor to vaudeville. The shows consisted of a primarily white song and dance performer crudely mimicking African-Americans for the enjoyment of white audiences. One of the earliest and most famous was Thomas Daddy Rice, who devised a strutting, dancing character supposedly mimicking a prancing crow, and the character became known as Jim Crow. And if this is the type of content that you enjoy, you can find more content like this at OneMicHistory.com. Janae Sergio, arriving. Hello, everyone. This is Janae Sergio, life coach, combat veteran, and best-selling author. I invite you to purchase my new book, Perfectly Flawed, A Veteran's Journey from Homeless to Hero. In these pages, you will learn about the lowest struggles of my life to the absolute triumphs that have made me the strong woman I am today. Follow along as I talk about homelessness, my naval role in Operation Enduring Freedom, 
navigating insurmountable odds, and how I dealt with and overcame them. You can find Perfectly Flawed on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Welcome back to episode 109 of the Derek Duvall Show. Let's get right back to it with the conclusion of our interview with motivational speaker and inspirational coach, Bobby Umar. For my listeners who are not familiar with you, can you explain thought leadership branding to them, please? Sure. So, I mean, you know, personal branding is being known for something, right? And so, for example, there's a, there's a quote, a personal brand is what they say when you exit the room, right? When you leave the room. It's what people are saying about you, your reputation. A thought leadership brand is what they say before you enter the room, while you're in the room, and after you've even left the room. Because you are now seen as an authority expert in the field when someone's name is mentioned, they think of you, you are driving conversations, you're creating content, you're talking to people, you're building relationships, you're doing everything you can to share knowledge around your expertise, whether it's real estate or cryptocurrency or anything else. And so when someone thinks of, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, doing, a, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a podcast on uh, cryptocurrency, oh, you got to talk to this guy, right? That's what being a thought leader is. They're constantly disrupting, they're constantly evolving, they're sharing knowledge. They're the ones that everyone talks about as someone that's the go-to for that expertise in that field. That's awesome. You've been listed as the one of the top 100 leadership speakers. What do you do that sets you apart from your peers? That's a good question. Um, I mean, I have a system for how I deliver talks, but I think the thing I'm known for on stage when I deliver talks is, number one, I'm very... I'm very open to being vulnerable with my storytelling. So I, I get very vulnerable about the things that I struggle with as an entrepreneur, as a parent, as an overweight person. I'm willing to talk about those challenges. Combine that with the storytelling ability that I'm good at because I throw in the emotion, but I also throw in the heart. I throw in the, the funny, right? So that, that storytelling ability goes well. And then, of course, I have a boatload of energy on stage. So what's funny is when people see me, you know, talking here like this, they're Oh, he seems like a, you know, seems like a nice guy, but you should, when you watch my videos on stage, they're like, holy cow, who's that dynamo? And uh, it's funny because I, I often host audio rooms where I do podcasts with the audio only. And, you know, you're just like, so today we're going to talk about the importance, you know, and sometimes I, I, I might raise my voice, hey guy, you know, this is really important, but normally I'm pretty, pretty chill, right? Mm-hmm. But on stage, I'm on fire. And every time I'm on stage, that's what you see. You see fire, you see emotion, you see heart, and I bring the funny. That's awesome. Now, you are a master of doling out life advice. No question about that. What is the best piece of advice anyone has ever given you? Ooh, the best piece of advice anyone ever given me. Well, I'll give you two. One is my father gave me the advice, there is no tomorrow. And what that means to me is that, you know, do it today, get her done. You know, he'd always say that. But I also think it means uh, be in the moment right? Whether you're, you know, talking to somebody or whether you're with your kids or whether you're doing a project, be in the moment and be in the today. So I think that that's a big one. And the second one is interesting because uh, first my mentor told me that I had a mentor for coffee. And then a day later, my, my, my business coach told me the exact same thing. They both said, stop spending so much time uh, of your business life, not directly or indirectly generating revenue. (laughs) Because what happened was my mentor said, you know, Bobby, you need to like stop. You're a very giving guy. You're very selfless. How much of your time are you spending that's not directly or indirectly generating revenue? And so we did this whole analysis of my week. 
And turned out we found out that 58% of my time was spent, you know, doing coffees, doing Zoom calls, doing all this stuff. And I was like, he's like, 58%, that's a lot. Like, I can understand 10, 20%, but 50% is too much. You know, when you get to that level and you're, you know, generating lots and lots of money, then yeah, then do what you want. But for now, you got to take care of your family, you got to take care of things. And then the very next day, my business coach who I was working with, he said, Bobby, you know, I feel like you're giving away your time for free too much. I'm like, wow, this happened just the next day. And so because of that, I'm constantly thinking about that when I look about how I'm spending my day, how I get involved in projects, how I visit, you know, spend my time on social media platforms, because to me, it's got to have a, a more of that direct result that I want to build my business with. Mm, that's makes total sense. So in your opinion, how is content creation a strategy to build relationships, community, and digital presence? Yeah, so I mean, content creation is a great way for you to show your expertise, right? When you talk about something, it's a great way to start a conversation because you intrigue people with it. It's a great way to uh, build community because communities will follow, people will follow content creators. If I'm always talking about real estate, then people will start following me for talking about real estate. If I'm talking about LinkedIn, people are going to follow me because I'm talking about LinkedIn. So the whole idea of content creation, it's, a, it's, a, it's an absolute essential for building a thought leadership brand. There's certain aspects you need to be able to do. So in order to build a digital presence, sure, you want to optimize your profile. Great. You want to be able to engage people and, and message them. But content is the link to everything. Because if you have great content, it sets you apart. If you have great content, they're going to check out your profile. If you have great content, they're going to reach out to you with a question, like, hey, can you help me with this? And so for me, content is a fantastic base for building a thought brand, but also building relationships and community. That's what we're going through right now with, with what I'm doing is because the reason I created this project, this show, is I wanted to put a, sh a spotlight on people who, if you remember Johnny Carson, The Tonight Show back in the 80s and 90s, sure. he used to have people, he didn't just have you know Madonna or whatever on, he used to have people of all different backgrounds who were doing incredible things with their lives and they were showcasing it. Somewhere along the line, that, that got blurred and it was just A-list celebrities. And that's the reason I did this show is for that reason is I want to give people that push to show how awesome they are, the amazing things that they're doing because I have an audience and I have a platform. And a lot of people are seeing the amazing things these people are doing. And now they're getting booked to go on shows. They're getting booked with this. And it makes me feel good. That's, that's my gift to the world. I love that. That's great. I mean, uh, and I think that, you know, thought leadership content, particularly in the podcast form is a really great way to, it's a very hot trend, right? A lot of people love that. So kudos yeah. to you. Uh, thank you. I want to ask you about your book, How to Network Anytime, Anywhere with Anyone. Great title, by the way. Where did the idea come from to write this book? Well, I was, I was part of an organization called Cool Connections, and the whole idea was to get people out to network with each other. And I'd already been doing, uh, I've been doing a lot of keynotes and talks on authentic connection, authentic networking for years. And honestly, the main impetus was somebody said, Bobby, you've got to have a book. <laughs> so, you know, I, and I didn't want to write a book. I was like, oh, God, right. Like writing. I mean, I, I love writing. I'm a good writer. I write great content on LinkedIn and, and whatever. But it's not the thing I want to spend my time doing. I'd rather be on stage. And so I found a buddy of mine who was also very passionate about networking. I said, hey, let's, let's just write a book. Let's put it together. Let's, let's, let's put and, and let's figure it out. And actually what's funny was it was originally going to be three volumes. Because if you, if you look at the title, it's called Volume 1. I, I was going to ask about that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Volume 1 is in-person networking events. And that's what it's meant to be. The second piece was going to be online networking. And the third one was going to be one-on-one -on -one uh, you know, network coffee, coffee dates, things like that. But I never did the other two. I just stuck with that one. I was happy with it. All right, let's get back to speaking. 
<laughs> but it's a great book and I'm glad I wrote it. What was the reception to that book like? Uh, well, you know, I think they, they liked that it was such a really simple, easy to read. I mean, you know, you know, make it a way that's accessible to folks. I mean, I think people are really, really nervous. And I think the, the good news, we started the, the first chapter is all about mindset, right? I mean, everyone has mindset issues about, about networking, even, even me. I mean, I can, you know, if I'm in a room with, if I'm in a room with you know, Bill Gates, yeah, I'm going to have my, oh, who am I? I don't want to talk to him. Like, you know, like it's a normal thing, right? So uh, we tried to make that point that start with the mindset. And then the tactics, and then you, and the plan, and then you're going to be in a much much better space. So, uh, you know, I'm glad the reception was really great. It's been a great tool for uh, booking more business too. That's awesome. All right. So as we begin to enter the final phase of this interview, I always like to ask one fun question, and that is, Bobby, what do you do to relax? What do you do for fun? Oh God, so many things. I mean, I uh, uh, well, I mean, you know, I, I love movies and uh, musical theater. So I'll take the kids to a show and, you know, like we're going to see Hamilton next year. I'm so because we had Hamilton tickets in Toronto and then the pandemic hit and it was canceled that man. It's like, Oh no. And now it's back. So I'm going next year. I'm excited about that. Um, I'm a bit of a spa guy. I like going for a massage, you know, chilling by the, the, the whirlpool, you know, like I I love that kind of stuff. Um, I love board games, you know, don't get me started about Soskatan or ticket to ride, man. I, I will talk about it all day. Uh, those are things I like to do for fun. And uh, I also like to sing. I mean, musical theater has been a big passion of mine. Sing with my daughter. She has got a great voice. Now we're doing a lot of singing, singing songs from musicals. Uh, it's it's a blast. In fact, I just launched a TikTok channel, which I only started last week. And one of my goals is just, just to start singing there and not do professional videos. I'm, I'm just going to sing and just share stuff that I never would on LinkedIn or Twitter or Instagram. I did see one thing uh, while we were doing the research for this episode. Uh, is it true that you have never lost a game of thumb war. Yeah, that's my claim, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. As we begin to wind down this interview, what's the best way for my listeners to follow your adventures online? Well, I mean, I'm I'm everywhere on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, now TikTok, uh, Clubhouse, and and YouTube. You name it, uh, you can Google me. But the best place to find me, honestly. LinkedIn's where I primarily post a lot of things. Twitter's where I'm quite active. Uh, although I'd love to get more followers on TikTok because I just started. So that'd be good. <laughs> and, then my, and then my website is rayon.com and dypb.ca. So you can follow me there. Outstanding. All right, Bobby. I end my interviews with my favorite question. And the question is this. If the entire planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you would like to say to the people of Earth? Wow. The one thing I ask people to, to do, well, I mean, I would say that uh, you have an opportunity to make an impact on other people, right? It starts with yourself, but the goal is to better yourself every day to make the world a better place, whether it's your team, whether it's your community, whether it's the world. And so if this is the last day on earth or there's you know no one else around, fine, do what you can to make the world a better place. That's use awesome. kindness, use empathy, use compassion. That's the way to go. That's brilliant. All right. The book is How to Network Anytime, Anywhere with Anyone. Great title. Available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Bobby, I've been looking forward to this interview for weeks. Thanks for taking the time to come on the show today. Uh, This has been an absolute thrill. My pleasure, Derek. Thank you. And just like that, Duval Nation, we come to the end of episode 109. I want to thank Bobby for taking the time out of his very busy schedule to speak with me 
I love when we get to spend time with great intellectuals, and Bobby surpassed every expectation I had. So who knows? Maybe down the line, we can hear from him again. Tune in again next time as we showcase another extraordinary person. I have a really good one coming up in a few days, and so be sure to keep checking your favorite podcast streaming channel for that episode to drop. Okay, a few housekeeping items before we close out today. Have you had a chance to check out our store on TeePublic? We have everything from magnets, stickers, and mugs. Plus, we have a carefully curated collection of t-shirts put together by myself and Mrs. Duvall. Be sure to go to our website, DerekDuvallShirt.com. Look on the banner on the left that says March. Click that, and you'll be taken to our store on TeePublic. And we want to thank TeePublic for being such great partners. And on behalf of the entire team here at the Derek Duvall Show, I want to say to each and every one of you listening, please do your part to help those less fortunate this holiday season. The pandemic ruined a lot of lives financially, so good people are struggling. Please help however you can during the season of giving. No star, God bless, and see you next time. Planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duvall Show. And we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com, for links to merchandise and to explore past episodes. Please find us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Derek Duvall Show.